You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Good morning. Good morning. Definitely starting to feel like Christmas out there. It is flat out chilly this morning. Just a few announcements as we get started today. Last week, we talked about our Advent Conspiracy Project this year. And um, Advent Conspiracy is about turning commercialism at this time of the year on its head. You know, if we're not careful, we get to moving um, faster and faster and faster and faster. And um, Christmas wears us out. And again, if we're not careful, um, we spend a lot of money on things we don't need and end up sometimes even in trouble financially because of all that we spend. This year we're partnering with an organization called Care for Catania. Um, This organization is in Catania, Sicily. Um, We are partnering with them to launch a ministry to refugees there. It is a bicycle shop. And so this bicycle shop allows people who sometimes walk over 20 miles every week to get to the city on the weekends. This allows them transportation and it also allows them some livelihood so that instead of being given two to three cigarettes a day, two to three cigarettes today to sell on the street to make money, um, they can actually make some money um, to care for their basic needs instead of begging on the streets of the city on the weekend that they travel 26 miles to um, so that they can wash windows of cars and similar things that we see beggars do um, here. So pray for these refugees and pray about what you might do to take part in Advent Conspiracy this year. Uh, another announcement, tomorrow night is our men's Christmas party, our men's annual Christmas party. Um, there's information about that in the bulletin. Uh, it is a fun time, and of course it is a time where you eat far more than you should, and so I hope that you come. We will have a lot of t- a lot of fun. Um, many of you are familiar with the Winfern School and our partnership with them. Um, the students are taking their end of class exams this week. And those exams determine um, whether they will graduate and launch into the workforce. We've seen videos before. This is a fantastic school, and we're very thankful to partner with them. After the service today... Uh, Many of you who are connected here as members and maybe you're connected here as guests and want to learn more about the investment we make into God's kingdom, our directors will be making a presentation of our 2019 proposed budget. It will be a very brief presentation. So if you would like to join us, if you have questions, um, come at that time and 
take part uh, in this dialogue. Um, it is so good, again, to see you here today. At this time, we will begin our time of worship with our Advent reading. If you would direct your attention to the stage. The word Advent comes from the Latin word that means coming or arrival. For centuries, the church has celebrated the four-week Advent season by lighting candles in a wreath and reflecting on the coming of Jesus as told in Scripture. The circle of the wreath represents God's never-ending love for us. The evergreens represent Christ's gift of eternal life, and the candles announce Jesus as the light of the world. Last week's candle represented hope. The second candle of Advent is the candle of peace. The word for peace in Hebrew is shalom, which means completeness or well-being. Jesus did not come just to end wars, but to make us complete by saving us from our sinfulness. All we have to do is trust in Jesus as the Son of God who came to save us, and we will have the peace or shalom of God. And now, reading of Luke 1, 69 Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from an old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without any fear in holiness and righteousness before him in all of our days and you child will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go before the lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of the salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our god whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace And now we're going to pray. Please close your eyes and bow your heads. Lord, I ask that you bring peace to each and every one here. May they put their full trust in you, God. In this festive time, may each one here find quiet time to praise and glorify you. God, please allow your spirit to guide our actions and thoughts. May we use our gifts and talents to honor your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for the most amazing gift to humankind, your son. In his name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I tell you what, I I love the holiday season. You know what I love about the holiday season is that um, I think about my own salvation, the gift that God gave me, the grace that Christ gave me to forgive my sins. Isaiah spoke of him coming and dying on a cross, being born of a virgin, dying on a cross and being a sacrifice for our sins. And the best place to be at this time of the year is with all of you right here in this place as we share God's love and God's grace. Amen? But I'm also reminded of folks that are in need out there, and and we need to pray for, I'm sure you're reminded also of someone you can think of right now that that has spiritual needs, emotional needs, physical needs. And as we are enjoying the blessed time that, of this season that we should also continue to lift them up and pray for them and support them. 
in all that we do. My name is Rick McNabb, and I want to share a little bit with you this morning about our offering today. And um, if you think about the early church, I mean, the first year of the early church after the day of Pentecost, people came from all over the world, and they came to celebrate and the Holy Spirit was poured out amongst them, and all of a sudden there's thousands of people. From a small clan, from a small group of people, all of a sudden thousands of people are saved and being baptized. How do they manage their money in that very, very early time? Because they could no longer rely on the synagogues as a resource. So how did they raise money very early on? Well, the Bible tells us that they, it basically went into three steps. They, they, they had to get creative, and there were three steps involved in the early church. And the first step was that they shared everything they had. They came together in that initial moment of need, and they basically opened themselves up, and, and they met each other's needs individually and, and corporately. And then the second thing they did after that is they, people that had means would, would, would sell some of what they had. They would bring it, and they would put it at the apostles' feet, and they would meet the needs that way. And then as we, we look in, in the epistles in the New Testament, as the church expanded and the church grew over time, those churches became self-supportive, and then they began to send money to other churches and other ministry needs locally and, and around the world at the time as the gospel grew. And so they were meeting financial needs, they were meeting spiritual needs, they were meeting emotional needs, they were praying and doing ministry, and they were very, very busy in the early church during this time. And what, what amazes me so much is that when the word of God rings true today, it, it builds my faith, because we're doing the same thing right now. We are continuing to support our own ministry here at Cypher Christian Church and all the things that we do out there, and our pastors have been very good stewards of what we put in the offerings this year and going forward, we'll continue to do so. We do have a deficit this year. We're trying to finish up a, a, about a $50,000 deficit this year. We want to wrap that up so we can continue strong in the coming year. So I would ask you to pray and ask the Lord to, to, to speak to your heart and ask, what would you do uh, this, as we're in this Christmas season to uh, wrap up that deficit and move forward as we go to 2019? And so as we go to prayer this morning for our offering, let's also pray for those around the world who are in need this morning and, and who we can minister to. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. We thank you, God, for your grace and your love, and we thank you for your sacrifice, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for this season and what it reminds us of. We pray for all those in need out there, Father, whatever the situation is, God, we, you told us to come and ask, and so we're coming and we're asking, Lord, that you would meet our needs today whatever those needs might be. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. So, uh, it was just a few years ago. Um, Caden, um, he was getting older, and he is an only child, and I'm a single mother, so it's just us two. And I wanted to try to... I guess make it special um, to give it a little more excitement um, and so I came up with um, the 12 days of Christmas and it is um, a time where 12 days leading up to Christmas he gets either a small and thoughtful gift or we do an activity to making memories basically yeah. 
sometimes we will um, go ice skating, just us two, or um, he'll get a sleepover with a friend. Or one year, it was Star Wars came out in December, and so we got him a, a Star Wars t-shirt, and, and me, him, and his dad, which was more special because dad was there, and we all went to a movie, and we went we'd see it, so it was a lot of fun. So you have the Grinch, uh, the story of... Yeah, this is the other tradition we started um, when he was a baby. So um, I think my sister got this for us when maybe he was um, one or two. And um, we read it every year. And uh, and it it gets me at the end every time. I just tear up. And um, I love the message that it sends, that it's not all about the gifts and the toys. And it's more about being together and and you know the um you know the memories that you make with each other so i i love that and i, I love that he knows that too That's what it sounds like. and um yeah so we really treasure it what's what's been your favorite thing that you guys have done so far well 12 days in christmas is really good because like um i like having the surprise of finding out what every gift is every day and i also know the meaning behind it the meaning behind it is like just to like because I'm an only child, so there's not many other one people or things in the house besides the dog. And <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I just love how special it is, and the surprise of getting gifts and like I love the thoughtful ones the most because like when you get thoughtful gifts, you know the thought that was put into them, even if you don't. Even if you don't really like the gifts, like one day, one year it was poopery and underwear. <laughs> I mean, and even those were like thoughtful gifts, and I could see where it came from. So, <laughs> yes. How do you, how does it make you feel toward your mom that she she puts all that thought in into those gifts and those kinds of things? It, like I just love her. Oh, like she's such a good mom. Just she puts a lot of thought into what she does for me, and thanks, Katie. I just love her for that. Thank you. <laughs> well, good morning. Again, welcome to Cypher Christian Church. I'm so glad that all of you chose to be with us today. Uh, what a blessing that video was. Thank you, uh, Kim and Caden, uh, for that. And thank you to the Rosales family for, for reading and lighting the candle uh, this morning. It's already been a great service. Um, so excited about Christmas. So excited that you guys are here. So... Um, today is the second week in Advent, and so it's the second Sunday in our new series called A Traditional Christmas. Now, I don't know your church background. Maybe some of you guys went to more liturgical churches growing up, and you observed the church calendar, and you're familiar with Advent. Uh, maybe some of you aren't. So just real quickly, kind of the purpose of Advent, what Advent is about, uh, as we heard uh, the Rosales family share earlier Advent is a word that means uh, the arrival of something, something great or someone great, something important or someone important. And it's not actually a church word. The church doesn't own this word, but it's not a word that we use in conversation very often. However, I challenge you to try and use that in a sentence at work, just in its context. Uh, people are going to look at you crazy, but uh, you do find the word Advent in poetry and in songs. Uh, it's not just a church word, but it's about the arrival of someone or something Important, And so for the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas, we recognize each year that there, we live in expectation of Christ's arrival. Right? First, his birth, and then second, 
his return. And we focus on four different things every year. Uh, And they are hope, which is what Dale preached about last week. Uh, Peace, which is what we'll talk about today. Uh, Next week is love. And Kevin is going to be preaching on love, which just feels right in my heart because I love Kevin. You guys love Kevin? Raise your hand if you love Kevin. Yeah, I love Kevin too. Uh, Kevin exudes love. And so that just makes sense for Kevin to have that. Uh, And then watch this. The, The fourth one is joy. And you guys know Dale Smith, right? If joy is measured just by volume, Dale is the most joyful person on the entire planet. So uh, so we focus on hope, on peace, on love, and on joy. So if you have a Bible with you today, turn to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to be reading out of there in just a minute. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat pockets there in front of you. But before we, uh, before we read Isaiah... Um, I just want to share one of the traditions, maybe a couple of the traditions that my family had uh, growing up around Christmas. If, if you guys get the e-news, I shared one on e-news. If you haven't read it, go back. You can read that one. Uh, but we had a huge nativity set that we would set on top of the piano uh, every year. And it was really, when I say gaudy, I don't mean godly. It was just, it was ugly. It was weird. And it looked like it was from another era. Uh, and my parents loved it. It was huge. And so I got in trouble on more than one occasion at Christmas because as a child, I was really into Star Wars. And what I would do is take all of the stormtrooper figures that I had and I would surround baby Jesus with the stormtroopers <laughs> for protection. And my parents would have somebody over and they'd be, you know, they'd be walking through the house and they'd see the stormtroopers in the nativity set on the piano. And my mom would just give me a glance and I'd, what? And she would point, I would figure it out. I'd be in trouble later. But it made sense. I wanted to protect Jesus, Right. Uh, so I'd put stormtroopers in the nativity set. Today, probably this is my, this is my favorite tradition that my family does. Every year, uh, we buy a new Christmas movie. So we have this growing collection. I love Christmas movies. Uh, last year, I spoke during Advent, and I shared that there was a scientific study, and there's a number one Christmas movie of all time that is indisputable, which is Muppet Christmas Carol. All right? If you've not seen it, go to Target. They have it. You can buy some hot chocolate, go home, turn out all the lights, get under a blanket with some hot chocolate, watch the movie, it'll change your life. But the conversation about the best Christmas movie ever typically involves these two movies, Elf and Home Alone, right? Uh, And we're not going to have that discussion because it's Muppet Christmas Carol, right? So that's done. But how many of you guys have seen the movie Home Alone? Okay, most of you. So if you haven't, There's a scene in the movie that I want to just kind of walk you through. Um, The movie's about a little boy named Kevin who gets left behind at his house at Christmas time. His parents go to the airport. I think they fly to Paris. And just in the chaos of this huge family getting in the van and going to the airport, he gets left behind. So he has to fend for himself. And all kinds of crazy things happen. Uh, It's really fun, really funny. Don't remember the appropriateness of it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. So watch Muppet Christmas Carol instead. But, uh, but there's a man that lives on his street whose name is Marley, and they call him uh, Old Man Marley. And Old Man Marley is really scary because he's old and he has a gray beard, right, which is starting to hit, hit pretty close to home. But uh, Old Man Marley has kind of a mean glare, and he doesn't really say anything. And so all the kids in the neighborhood have made up this story about him. They've kind of turned him into a monster. He's really, really scary. And no one has seen this man's family in years and years. They used to be there all the time. Now they're not there anymore. So obviously old man Marley murdered his family, right? 
So everyone's afraid that old man Marley's going to murder them. Well, late in the movie, it's Christmas Eve, and Kevin goes into this church where the choir is practicing for a service that night, and old man Marley's in there, and he approaches Kevin and asks to sit beside him in the pew, and of course, Kevin's terrified that he's about to be murdered in church, right? But there's a beautiful conversation that takes place uh, where Marley says, I know there's a lot of rumors going around about me, but they're not true. And he begins to tell a story about how he and his son got in an argument years ago. And they no longer talk. They both said things they didn't really mean. And they've walked away and they haven't spoken in years. And this little child, Kevin, says, why don't you just call him? Right? That makes sense. That's simple. Right? In the adult world, that's not always simple. But in the kid's world, it's like, yeah, why don't you just call him? You remember as kids... Like somebody could punch you in the face and then you're playing with them again 10 minutes later. Like the forgiveness is just an automatic thing when we're a kid. But we don't act like that as adults. Like we hold on to stuff, right? And so there's this brokenness in Marley's life and the kid challenges him, just call him. And he's like, I'm afraid to because what if you won't talk to me? And the kid says, well, at least you'll know. Like at least you tried, right? Um, what we're gonna talk about today is peace. And we're going to kind of walk through uh, several points. And I have, I think it's four. It's either three or four questions that I'm going to ask you. I don't remember. We'll get there. Uh, (laughs) But the point is brokenness and wholeness. All right? The word peace, shalom, uh, means wholeness. Like everything is the way that it should be. There's no longer brokenness. So as we dive in here, let's pray. Father, we confess that we are broken people with broken relationships, broken families, broken homes, and broken hearts. And Father, we confess that the only way we can be put back together is through you, through your life, your death, and your return. Father, may we find peace and wholeness in you, and may we learn to share both with those around us. And may your kingdom come on earth and in our hearts as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. So Isaiah chapter 9, we'll start at verse 6. So it begins, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. So other versions of scripture outside of the ESV uh, use the word authority, and the authority shall be upon his shoulders. Uh, The rule shall be upon his shoulders. So the point is, he's in control. And if God is in control, we have nothing to worry about, right? So for us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. And this part is really beautiful. The language that's used here, the Hebrew words that are used here, to say, and his name shall be called, are the same words that you'll find in Genesis. And if you remember creation, God didn't come down to the void and start touching things and things came into being, right? He didn't snap his fingers and things came into being. He spoke. He called things and they were true. He creates just with the words, right? And so he's calling the name of this child. Like he's making this so. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting father. And father, this isn't father in the sense that we know, right? In our broken world, uh, the word father is not always a warm and comfortable thing for everyone, right? Not all fathers are loving. But the father in this sense that Isaiah is writing about is that of a protector, a father that always has your best interest in mind, a father that will care for you no matter what, a father that puts you first, right? So not an earthly father, but a heavenly father. And finally, he says, his name shall be called Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, right? And this is a place that we sometimes get tripped up when we hear about God's justice and God's righteousness. We have a sense, right, in our minds and in our hearts of what is right, of what is just, what is fair, right? I live in a house with two younger children. I hear the word fair a lot. And we have our own idea of what that fairness, what that justice, what that righteousness is, right? But this is on God's terms, not on our own. So things are made right in God's eyes with honesty and with fairness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So a child is born and he shall be called Prince of Peace. And the word peace, as we heard earlier, is the Hebrew word shalom. I feel like Every time I preach, this word comes up. Uh, And I don't know whether that's because God thinks it's the only thing I know about and that's the only thing I'm capable of talking about or it just comes up a lot, I'm not sure. Uh, But here we are again. Shalom is a really important word in Hebrew. And it's something that somebody would say to someone, someone else as kind of a greeting, but there's so much depth to it. When you wish shalom on someone, you're not just saying peace to you, like hope there's not conflict in your life. That's not what you're saying. You're saying, may you find wholeness and completeness and be content in God. May you be comfortable with the person that God created you to be. Feel comfortable in that place. Be content and be whole. Right? That's a beautiful greeting. Right? I don't think that's what we mean when we tell people peace today. Uh, But shalom was a very, very uh, deep word. And it means wholeness. Like all the things that are broken be made whole in your life. Wholeness means that everything is as it should be. Everything is complete. Everything is right. And everything has perfect resolve. Speaking of Christmas movies and perfect resolve, uh, how many of you have seen a Hallmark Christmas movie before? Okay. I've seen every single one of them. No judgment. Baseball season's over. I'm not always the first one to the remote control. That's how that works out, right? So if you haven't seen a Hallmark Christmas movie, let me explain it to you real quick. Uh, It doesn't matter which one you turn on. Here's, Here's what it's about. There's a woman who's got a career and she's serious about her career. She's professional. There's a man who has a career. He's very serious and he's professional. One lives in a city, one lives in a small town and one of them comes to the small town for some reason at Christmas and they end up working together on some kind of really benevolent, cool project. But somewhere along the line, there's a misunderstanding. Somebody misspeaks. Somebody overhears something and makes a judgment without knowing what they were talking about. 
and they kind of start to part ways, but they had started to fall in love, but now it's all over, and one of them's going back to the city. One of them's in this small town, but something miraculous happens because it's Christmas, and that person does a U-turn, goes back to the small town, and the movie ends with the two of them in a crowded space kissing, and no one else sees them there. Right? You don't have to watch the movie ever again. There it is. Done. Gentlemen, you are welcome. You are free. Right? But wholeness, the idea of peace as wholeness, always has that resolve. And it may not look like it does in the Hallmark Christmas movie, but everything is made right. But that is not our reality, is it? The world that we live in is filled with broken relationships. It's filled with broken homes. It's filled with broken marriages. It's filled with oppression. It's filled with rampant racism. It's filled with poverty. It's filled with hurt. It's filled with shame. It's filled with despair. It's filled with hopelessness. But that is not how it's supposed to be. So first question for you this morning is what are the areas of your own life that are broken, that are not the way they're supposed to be? Relationships? Are they addictions? Is it pride? What are those areas? And are you allowing Jesus to bring peace, to bring wholeness to the broken areas in your life? The world that Jesus was born into was also filled with brokenness, political turmoil, hostility, oppression, racism, a world filled with division and lines and walls. So how did the Prince of Peace bring wholeness to this world? There's so many stories in the New Testament. Do you guys remember the story of Zacchaeus? Right? There's a song about him and now you're singing it in your head and you won't be able to stop. Uh, but Zacchaeus was a man of short stature and probably marginalized his entire life because he couldn't do a lot of the other jobs because he was short. And so he took up a job with the government collecting taxes. And the way that it worked, you could take up as much as you wanted and you keep the excess for yourself and then you gave Rome what they, what they were owed, Right? And so he began to take advantage of his own people, the people that had mistreated him. And when Jesus went to his town, Jesus didn't go stay with the pastor. He didn't go stay with the church leaders. He didn't go stay with the holy people. He pointed Zacchaeus out and he said, I'm staying with you today. I want to talk to you. And they sat down around a table and Zacchaeus' life was changed. Right? How does, how does Jesus deal with the brokenness? Head on. Sits down at the table, across the table from the brokenness, and has a conversation and builds a relationship. What about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery and brought before him in the temple and thrown at his feet? Jesus protected her. Remember, everyone was ready to kill this woman and throw rocks at her until she was dead. And he said, go ahead, you who is without sin, cast the first stone. 
and everyone walked away, right? And the religious people had just used this woman and she knew it. She was just just a little pawn in their game to try and trap Jesus into misspeaking so they could, they could bring him up on charges. And no one threw a rock, but here's the thing. You who's without sin cast the first stone. There was somebody there without sin, right? And he didn't even pick up a rock. He loved her in the midst of her brokenness and set her free. The woman at the well, like these stories go on and on. Jesus wasn't even supposed to talk to her because of the racism that was rampant. And she had been married five times before and was living with somebody else now that wasn't her husband and she had been ostracized by her community and Jesus engaged her in conversation and relationship and loved her right where she was at. He loved people in spite of the brokenness. He engaged them in spite of the brokenness. And the world hasn't really changed that much, has it? Some things look different. We now have the internet. That's about it. Nothing's changed. And we also try to draw lines in the sand with our words, with our social media. And we create monsters out of people that we don't agree with, right? Old man Marley is a real person. And we all have somebody like that in our life that we've turned into a monster because we don't understand them and because they see the world differently than we do or they look differently than we do, right? And if we would just sit down and have a conversation, that might turn around, but we're not willing to do that because we're afraid of the monster that we created. We're afraid of everyone that sees the world differently than us. So my second question that I want you to consider is who are you afraid of? Who is it? Is it the atheist at your office? Is it the Muslim person that you know? Is it the gay couple that lives four doors down? What are you afraid of? You don't have to agree with everything about another person to be able to identify and respect the image of God in them. The Prince of Peace actively sought to bring about wholeness through table fellowship and relationships. And he does the same thing still today, but he does it through us. Who are you afraid of? So a lot of you make fun of me after my sermons that I have to have a backpacking story. And I tried this time. I couldn't, I couldn't get away with it. Uh, so... Um, You don't have to be a backpacker to know what I'm talking about here, but have you ever been somewhere far away from light pollution at night on a clear night, like the moon is low or the moon is, is, uh, um, yeah, below the horizon. There's a full moon. What's the other one? Yeah, new moon. So it's totally black. You can't see the moon. Uh, And so the, the sky is just lit up with stars, right? The kind where you can see the Milky Way and you can actually spot satellites as they slowly go across the sky. Those nights are beautiful. And I've shared nights with some of you guys out on the trail. Uh, there was a night in Colorado a couple years ago that, uh, that a couple of us just laid out on a tarp and fell asleep under a beautiful sky like that. And I cannot have those moments without this story coming into my head. Right? If you remember the story in Luke of the shepherds who are out in the fields, it's in Luke 2. 
starts in verse eight. I want to read this to you. It says, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. In their defense, like as I've laid under those stars and like if all of a sudden there was something else there talking to me and shining, I would be scared as well. I'd probably zip my sleeping bag all the way up and get inside, right? It had to be terrifying. Very scary. And the angel said to them, fear not, easy enough, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. It's so important to hear that the angels and the multitude, this heavenly choir, didn't appear at the church. It didn't appear like to the religious leaders, right? Who did it appear to? It appeared to the shepherds, like the lowly shepherds, kind of the least of these, the marginalized, out in the fields. For unto you a child is born. God's loving hand has no limit to its reach. It can reach anywhere, right? And it often does. So the next question, how are you reaching out to the least of these with the good news of God's peace? In Galatians chapter five, we find a pretty well-known scripture uh, that speaks of the fruits of the spirit. Uh, and the fruits of the spirit are not things that we like try to become or we, we try to do, right? These are fruits, which mean they are born out of something. So when we're rooted in the peace of Christ, when we're rooted in the hope of Christ, the love of Christ, the joy of Christ, when we're rooted in those things, this is the fruit that our life will naturally bear. Doesn't that make sense? We're rooted in the soil of the gospel. And the fruits of the spirit, not coincidentally, the first several, love, joy, right? And we'll be talking about those the next two two weeks. But the third is peace, love, joy, peace. This is a fruit that is born out of your life. Wholeness is born out of your life as you're rooted in the soil of the gospel. It's not something that you'll do. The work is not your own. The work It's the work of the Holy Spirit. The work is the work of Christ on the cross that will bring you that peace and bring you that wholeness. It's not something you'll be able to attain on your own, right? But we can judge a tree by its fruit. So in your life, scripture says, you'll know that you're my disciples when you love one another, right? When you live at peace, when you have wholeness, 
when the brokenness melts away because you're willing to engage. So are you rooted in the work that began with the first Christmas day? Is that where your life is rooted? So here's what I want to end with. Advent kind of has a sort of like a dual nature to it. First, we celebrate the arrival of Christ as a baby. And through his life, death, and resurrection, we bring peace into our lives. We have access to peace that overcomes the brokenness of this world. Right? He came as a baby. Uh, he died as an atonement for us. And we celebrate that at Christmas. But the second part is that we await his return in which he'll reign forevermore. But our waiting is not passive. It's active as we share the peace with others. We usher in a wholeness that will be the reality when Christ returns. When Jesus came as a baby and lived his life on this earth, he began the new kingdom. That was the beginning. And he planted it in us. And so we are the ones that move that forward. Right? And as we move that forward, we await for the day that he comes back and everything, everything will go back to the way that it's supposed to be. No more brokenness. No more tears. No more death. God hastes the day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for for Jesus, Father, we thank you for his life here on earth that we celebrate at Christmas. So many beautiful stories of, of how he engages people with peace and he brings wholeness to a broken world. And Father, may we continue to do that work. Father, work through us and in us so that we can be a part of the restoration of the movement of your kingdom here on earth. And Father, may we await actively patiently, fervently, God, as we, we await your return when we know that all will be made right, that everything will be back to the way that it's supposed to be. Uh, Father, we look forward to your return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the first step in the healing of brokenness uh, takes place at the table. It's when we identify ourselves with the work that Christ has done on the cross. So as our uh, servers come forward and prepare the stations, uh, you'll come forward this morning and someone will hand you a piece of bread and they'll say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And then you'll dip it in the cup and they'll say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And as you take that, just know, like this is your new identity. Your identity is found in Christ. And you now have the power to speak peace, to live peace, and to bring peace to your relationships and to your situations, right? The kid in Home Alone was right. Just call him, whoever it is. Don't be afraid. Take the steps to bring healing and wholeness to a broken world. How can you bring wholeness and peace to those around you? Right? Bringing wholeness and peace doesn't mean that you're going to prove you're right and they're wrong. That's not the point. Right? That's not love. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit, not of us. Right? How are you going to love people? 
How are you going to bring peace? Who are you going to sit down with? Who are you going to call? And if the brokenness is inside you, we would love to talk to you about that. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to help you find that peace that Christ brings that will make you whole again and make things the way that it's supposed to be. Join in the movement of peace that Christ brings at Christmas. Amen. I want to recognize um, one of our own um, who is with us today. Brian Baker, if you just stand. Um, welcome, Brian, if you would. Brian is doing uh, mission work, and this word is hard for me, Madagapa. Madagascar, um, Nicaragua. Um, Brian, a little while back, actually went on a living water trip. And while he was on that trip, um, God put the heart on his heart, the people of Nicaragua. He returned. Um, he is teaching English, advanced mathematics, and business courses um, to students who are there. Isn't that awesome? Um, Pray for Brian. There have been severe protests. Um, he said that it, it's um, somewhat um, tense and fearful at times because of what's happening there. But all the while, as these protests are going on because of injustice in the government, um, he also interacts with those in abject poverty. Um, sometimes who have one or two days to actually live. Um, so let's lift up Brian. He's here um, for a short time and will be returning um, to Nicaragua. Um, never forget, God calls us out. Brian had never served in such a capacity. Went on a living water trip, uh, worked in a lab, uh, held an everyday job, and God called him out on mission um, to serve the people of Nicaragua. Uh, I'm going to ask Dan Ferrier and any elders who are present to, today in the service, past or present active elders, if you would come forward at this time. I'm going to wait, guys, until all of you get up here. Um, Dan has served faithfully as an elder here at CFCC in the past. Um, as our lead elder, when I arrived here at CFCC, uh, he was serving as our lead elder. Our elders go through a rotation, active, and then they're inactive on the board, but they continue um, to be an elder here in our body. Every year we pray about God raising up new elders in our congregation, and God has done that the last three years, year after year after year. This year, um, we're asking a current elder to return to the board, and we're asking Dan Ferrier to do that. Let's celebrate that fact. Dan, if you would stand right here, uh, we want to pray for you as you return uh, as an active elder um, on our board. 
Father, we thank you for um, men that you raise up within this body to provide leadership for CFCC. Father, to shepherd the flock, to protect the flock, to feed the flock, to care for the flock. Father, we thank you for this calling you've placed on Dan's life. We pray that you would bless him with wisdom, bless him with strength, um, bless him with a heart, a renewed heart for your people. We thank you for his gifting that he brings to the board. We pray your blessing on uh, himself, on Shannon, on the, their entire family as he serves in this capacity. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to remain here just for a few moments after um, the service, feel free to. We will have a short budget presentation and dialogue. Any questions, answer any questions um, that you might have. I was blessed um, by Jeff's message um, today. I pray, let's stand. I pray that as we go out, um, we might carry God's peace with us to a world definitely in need of peace. May you go in peace today.